time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, welcome to episode 75. That's right, we've done 75 Vintage Truth Podcasts so far since last fall, and uh, we show no signs of slowing down. So it's exciting, isn't it, to be able to come together and talk about the truths that really matter, the truths that change us, the truths that change the world, really. And that's God's vintage truth. Hey, we're talking about this question, why would anyone ever want to be a Christian? And you know, part of the answer to that question is, we talked about last week, is that when you talk about someone becoming a Christian, then you have to begin by talking about the righteousness of God and the character of God. And if you didn't listen to that podcast, you need to go back and take a listen, because that's the basis of everything we're going to talk about today. The righteousness of God is the foundation of understanding the gospel. If you don't know about the righteousness of God, then nothing else, nothing else about the gospel makes any sense. So you've got to know something about God first. And then secondly, we learned that part of our problem as human beings, as creatures here on this planet, is that we've rejected God and his right to rule on his planet. And it's because we're inherently sinners. You know, the, the word sin means to miss the mark. It, it means that we have, have totally missed the mark. In fact, it says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That glory of God is His righteousness. So we, we have all fallen short, and we are now dead in sin, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, uh, verses 1 and 2. And what can a dead person do? Well, nothing. They don't do anything. They just rot is what they do. And there's nothing that you or I can do to better our lot or our standing before God. You know why? Because we're dead. When you're dead, you're dead. So we're inherently sinful. We have active rebellion against God. We have passive attitude of indifference against God. We leave God out. And here's the deal. You say, okay, so what? I go my way, God goes his. Well, here's the problem with that. And this helps answer this question, why would anyone want to be a Christian? The problem with it is that there is a penalty associated with that. See, the universe is not free. The universe is not this uh, leaderless vacuum. The universe has a being over it, and his name is God, Yahweh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's the God of the Bible, okay? Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. And so it's not like, well, I'll, you know, just, you know, no harm, no foul, right, God? I mean, I'll just do my thing. You just do. Well, the problem with that is that God rules the whole universe. And God's character dictates the law of the universe. And the law of the universe is, is that every sin must be punished. Every single sin. And because you and I are attached to sin, we like, we like have this, it's like the veins in our bodies. You can't take the veins out of your body and still have a body, right? Well, you can't take sin out of you. Because it's an inherent part of who you, you are, who I am. And so because we can't, you know, separate ourselves from that sin, God says, well, I'm going to have to punish sin. Because why? Back to the righteousness of God. Back to the character of God. Because God requires there to be payment for offending his righteousness. That's the holiness of God there. And so God's righteousness requires that there be a, a penalty. And that's why Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin, in other words, what we earn by being sinners, our paycheck for being sinners, is death. And anytime you see the word death in the Bible, 
it means separation. So when a person dies, his spirit, her spirit separates from their body. That's death. Well, spiritual death is separation from God forever. That is the penalty of sin and of sinners. So people without Christ will die in their sins and be separated from God forever in a location called hell. And just as a quick side note, despite the cartoons that you've seen, the devil does not rule over hell, okay? Demons are not torturing people in hell, okay? In hell, demons are being tortured. In the lake of fire, the devil will be tortured. So God rules over hell, not Satan. It's God's wrath that is tormenting people in hell and giving them exactly what they ask for. They wanted God to go his way, so they go theirs, and God says, all right, I'm not going to force myself on you. You're going to get exactly what you ask. Every person that goes to hell will wake up in hell one second after they die and not say, oh, whoa, 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 I didn't ask to come here. They're going to know exactly that they deserve to be there. They're going to know exactly why they're there. So you go to hell, not because God sends you there, and, and you were fighting him all your life to not go to hell because you wanted to believe in him, but he wouldn't let you. No, no, no. You go to hell because you want to go to hell. You want to be separated from God and all the things that are representative of God's character and of his law and of what his Bible says. You wanted to distance yourself from that. And God says, wish granted. And that's hell. So in hell, we're separated from God for forever. And on top of that, not just the separation, the absence of everything that is good, of all light and all love and all hope and all purpose and meaning and joy and peace and all these things that are great. We're separated from that. And on top of that is the righteous, wrathful torture of the soul forever and ever and ever. You know, a while back, there was an author named Rob Bell who came out and he said, you know, hell is what we make here on the earth. We make our own hell here on earth. No, no. Hell is a place that God has made, prepared for the devil and his angels, God says. And it's where he sends sinners who are not righteous before him. So God's righteousness requires him to punish sin. And since we can't separate ourselves from our sin, we're going to suffer eternal separation from God in hell. Now that alone is motivation to want to be a Christian. Okay. Let's just forget having the purest of pure motives. Let's just talk about self-preservation for a moment. Not going to hell is a fantastic motivation for coming to God. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't want to run into a burning building and, and just be burnt to a crisp. Well, that's good. That's a, that's a healthy fear, I would say, a healthy reverence. You know, I have a healthy reverence of red lights. You know, the fear of having 400 stitches in my face from a car accident is great motivation. You know, I don't go and, and poke a lion on the nose, or I don't put my hand into a den of rattlesnakes. I'm afraid to do that. That's good motivation. That's okay. Fear is not a horrible thing especially when it saves you from calamity and, and torture, and in this case, damnation. So the whole fact that if you become a Christian, you miss out on hell, pretty good deal there, I'd say. And so don't be afraid 
to tell people about hell. He was, oh, you're trying to scare me into heaven. Hey, whatever it takes, bub. If that's what you need to hear, then that's great if it causes you to become a Christian. But here's the deal. This whole idea about hell means nothing to anyone unless they understand that there is a righteous God who punishes sin and that they are deserving of that punishment. That's part of the gospel flow there. And that penalty for sin is death. But now now here comes the great news. You see, sometimes we share the great news. People don't even know they need the news. It's like, you know, people handing out, you know, free coupons or something on the street corner. I don't know I need your coupon. What's that for? Or, or someone says, well, you'll, you'll need these, uh, these special 3D glasses before you watch this movie. Well, if I don't know that I need that, I'm not going to accept that from you. you know, here's the thing. It's like if you don't know that you need salvation, then God's love and offer of salvation is really inconsequential. It doesn't mean anything. You have to know that you need something before you can accept it. You have to know that you need treatment for a disease and that you have the disease. And if you don't know you have the disease, then you're not going to know that you need the treatment. So God makes it clear in the Bible that we have this disease, and it's called sin. And unless we recognize that, then the offer of the solution is not going to mean anything. So a lot of times what we do in, in, our, in our churches and, and in our personal evangelism or whatever you want to call it, is that we're offering people a solution for something that they don't even know they have a problem with, right? So we have to help them understand the problem that we all have, that we all share in common, a common need for salvation. So here comes the good news. The good news is that the Bible says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's, that's good news. In fact, the word gospel in the Greek means good news. Listen to what Romans chapter 5 and verses uh, 8 and 9 say. It says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. And see, that's presupposing you understand the fact that, okay, I was a sinner. I was deserving of God's wrath. Oh, but God loves me and he has offered Christ in my stead, in my place, it says, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, shall we be saved from the wrath of God through him. So salvation saves you from the wrath of God. And here's the thing. Here's what's so amazing about this. This is why they call it amazing grace, by the way, is because God did not have to do this. See, there's no law above God. There's no court above God. There's no God above God that says, Now, God, I know that your creation sinned, but you are under a moral obligation to offer them a chance. You know, that's, that's the thing that everybody thinks that God owes them, that God owes them a chance. Here's the thing. God owes no one anything because he's God. In fact, we forfeited any opportunity of benefit from God when we chose to rebel against him. So God doesn't owe us salvation. He didn't owe it to Adam and Eve. He didn't have to come after them and clothe them with an animal skin and kill an animal that, to represent the shedding of blood to, for forgiveness of sins. He has to do any of that for them, but he did. You know why? 
because he loved them. He chose to do this. Part of his sovereignty. Yes, he's a loving God, but that love does not mean that everybody gets all the benefits of his love. God is a choosing God. And so he has chosen to send Jesus Christ to us. And the Bible says in 1 John 2, 2, that Christ's death on the cross was a, a substitute for sin. It was a propitiation or a payment for sin. In other words, God requires a payment. What is that payment? Well, separation from God and wrath upon sin. Guess what happened at the cross? Jesus was separated from the Father and suffered under God's torment during that six-hour time. He compacted an eternity of wrath and judgment and torment and hell into six hours of time. That's why Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, Jesus Christ was suffering the black night of eternity. And he was suffering under the torment of the wrath of God. And so Christ cried out in his humanity that he was being separated from his father. There's a huge mystery there. How in the world does that even happen? It all ties into Christ being the God-man. But, but the deal is, is that Jesus suffered that in our place. And he made that payment for the sins of mankind for us to the father. And it satisfied God's righteous demands. It's like when you when you go to court and, and you go to, before a judge and the judge says, all right, you, you, you got to serve 30 days in jail for, you know, parking ticket violation or whatever. And you go serve that 30 days. Well, then you're up. You know, your time's up. Or he says, all right, pay $100 for a speeding ticket and it's over. You know, you, you don't have to be charged anymore. Well, you pay the fine, you go free. Jesus paid the fine for us on the cross. Obviously, the debt was much greater, and it's even silly uh, to try to compare anything in this earth to the kind of debt being paid that Christ paid for us. But here's the thing. If, if, you, owed, if you owed the bank, okay, let's just say that you, you took out a loan for, you know, add on a room to your house or, your, or a lawnmower or student loan. Okay, student loans. There we go. And that loan was, let's just say it was $1,000. That, that's all it was, $1,000. And then somebody came along and said, you know what? I've been watching you. I really like you. You're, you're a great guy, great gal. I would like to write a check to pay off that little room addition or that, you know, that, that, that tuition or whatever it is of $1,000. And they pay it off for you. How would you feel after that? Wouldn't you feel great? Wouldn't you just feel like, man, what a great person. I like this person. What if it wasn't $1,000? What if your debt was more like 50000 which is what a lot of college students are suffering under right now, about a $50,000 debt. What if somebody came in to your life and said, hey, you know what? I, I know that you gave it at your all in college and, you know, you're working your job, but guess what? Several hundred dollars a month goes towards paying off those student loans. I'd like to pay off your loan in full. Here's a check for $50,000. I mean, already you're feeling the weight fall off of your shoulders for that debt. Guess what? Jesus came to us and we have to realize how deep our debt is first. We have to realize how desperate and dead and far off from God we are and how dependent we are on him. Jesus came and said, look, your debt is an eternity's worth of wrath. Guess what I did? I paid that sucker off for you, just for you. How do you feel now? I mean, what do you do with that? 
why in the world would knowing what's awaiting you after life, after this life, and being separated from God, why would you reject that gift? You know why? Because you're still in love with your sin, still in love with yourself. But that's the good news. John 3.16 says to believe. Acts 2.38 says to repent. Acts 16.31 says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Romans 10.13 says, call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. You know, salvation is not complicated. It's actually simple, but it's deep. And when we repent, it means we change our mind about what we're trusting to give us happiness and satisfaction. Like we, we transform, our, our, we allow our minds to be transformed. We transfer, rather, our dependence upon God. And so we now have this belief in God. The word belief just means to cling to, to trust in, to rely upon. And, and part of that is when you turn to God, you're by default turning away from other things. You call on the name of the Lord. Listen, I've led people to Christ on their deathbeds that have simply called on the name of the Lord. They didn't do anything. That's what faith, faith is not a work. Faith is just simply believing on the Lord. Think of the thief on the cross beside Jesus. What did he have to offer Jesus? Nothing. But he recognized that Jesus was the one that could give him eternal life. He recognized what he had done, that he deserved death. But yet he just said, Lord, remember me. That's what it means to believe, to repent, to call upon the name of the Lord. And you know what? The, the great thing about that is, is that what we get in return for this, I'm going to continue to talk more about this on our next podcast, but what we get in return for this is righteousness. That's right. The gospel begins with righteousness of God. It ends, as it were, with you receiving his righteousness. In fact, that's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. It says, for God, he, it says, for he, that's God, made him who knew no sin, sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, you trade your sinful state, your sinful position before God. You trade it in through faith. And you know what you get back, the exchange here? You get the actual righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why Romans 5 1 says that we are justified or made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. That's why Romans 8 1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you're in Christ Jesus, you've been declared righteous. Therefore, there's no condemnation. So, so that there's no hell for you, actually. But it's not just no hell. There's a positive side to that. It's not just the negative that you miss hell, but what you get in return is that you get the actual righteousness of Christ. So what happens is he clothes us with his righteousness so that now when God the Father sees you, he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. And newsflash, that's your ticket to heaven. That's your ticket into the presence of God. So can you see now how, unless you understand the righteousness of God and how we've offended that and missed that, and that's when we understand what the gift is all about. The love of God makes sense only in the context of the character of God. And the good news, the great news is, is that we get to, through faith in Jesus Christ, we get to receive his righteousness, and that makes us worthy. It's his worthiness in us. Not us being made worthy, but it's his righteousness that has now been applied to our account 
and we are made clean. We're given a fresh start. In fact, there are many, many, many of the benefits we're going to talk about in the next Vintage Truth podcast, but I want to introduce you to that whole idea of righteousness because that's why anyone would ever want to be a Christian. You get the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Is that a deal or what? You should get in on it. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.